The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 181 Jesus Christ's Disciples Later, Jesus returned to the seaside in Capernaum to teach the multitudes. On this particular day, he selected a new disciple, Matthew. Matthew was a publican. Publicans were in charge of collecting taxes, and they were known for abusing their positions of power. They collected as much as possible from the people and turned as little as possible over to the government. The Jewish people considered publicans to be as evil as thieves, gamblers, harlots, and rebels. Not only had Jesus selected a publican to be one of his close disciples, he was actually dining at his home with other publicans and sinners. The scribes and Pharisees jumped on the opportunity to denounce him. How can your master allow himself to be seen eating with publicans and sinners? A scribe asked one of Jesus' disciples. Those people are revolting. When Jesus heard the Pharisees and scribes criticizing him, he responded, If someone is perfectly healthy, he does not need a doctor. I didn't come to call people who think they are righteous to repentance, but to call sinners to repentance. This would not be the last time the religious leaders would try to portray themselves as more righteous than Jesus. Later, a group of men came to Jesus with a question. We are some of the disciples of John the Baptist. One of them said, We fast often, like the Pharisees, but your disciples do not fast. Why is that? The Jews customarily fasted twice a week. The Pharisees, in particular, fasted so that others could see what they were doing. But this was the wrong attitude. They were not fasting to draw close to God. They were fasting so others would esteem them as righteous. And that is exactly what happened. People thought they were righteous, but they actually were no more righteous or close to God because of their fasting. Jesus used this opportunity to teach John's disciples the purpose of fasting. Can the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away then they will fast. Jesus was saying that the purpose of fasting is to draw close to God. His disciples had God in the flesh with them already. When Jesus would later be killed and resurrected and leave to return to his Father, then his disciples would fast. Not to make other people think they were righteous, but to draw closer to God. No man sews a piece of cloth on an old garment because the new fabric pulls away from the old fabric and makes the tear worse instead of better. Jesus continued, And no man puts new wine in old bottles, because it will burst the bottles. New wine must be put in new bottles. 
Jesus was teaching them that people should not try to make the truth fit their own preferences and their own religion. They could not tack God's way of life onto their own way of life. The lesson was, God never mixes true religion with false religion. As more and more people listened to Jesus' teaching and saw him perform miracles, news about him spread. But so did resistance from the religious leaders. One day, the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples picking ears of corn and eating them on the Sabbath. They saw this as proof of Jesus committing a sin. Why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath? They demanded. The law of the Pharisees said people could not pick more than three ears of corn on the Sabbath, and the disciples had exceeded that amount. Have you ever read what the scriptures say David did when he was hungry? Jesus asked. He went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest and ate the showbread, which is only lawful for the priests, and he gave it to those with him. He was showing that the spiritual intent of God's law was greater than the Pharisees' petty rules. They had added their own regulations to the Sabbath to make themselves appear righteous. The Sabbath was made for man, he continued, and not man for the Sabbath. These men were overlooking the true reason God established the Sabbath. The Sabbath was God's day that he made for man, and Jesus Christ is the Lord of that day. The scribes and Pharisees were not done objecting to Jesus' Sabbath activities. On a different Sabbath day, Jesus was again teaching in the synagogue. As he finished speaking, a man came to him with a withered right hand. The scribes and Pharisees watched Jesus. Would he heal this man on the Sabbath? Previously, people had waited until sunset so that Jesus would heal them after the Sabbath was over. But this man was asking to be healed on the Sabbath day. Healing him would break the Pharisees' Sabbath regulations. Jesus knew what they were thinking, but instead of shying away from the confrontation, he met it head on. Stand up, he said to the man with the withered hand, and stand in the middle of these men. Then Jesus turned to the scribes and Pharisees. I have a question for you. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? No one answered. Jesus continued to make the point. If anyone among you had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, which of you would not roll up your sleeves and get down there and pull it out? The Pharisees' rules did not prohibit rescuing a sheep, but their numerous laws attempted to regulate Sabbath observance in very technical and specific ways. How much better is a man than a sheep? Jesus reasoned. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. He had used clear examples to teach the scribes and Pharisees the principle. It is appropriate to do good deeds on the Sabbath. Jesus looked at the silent crowd, then said to the man, Stretch forth your hand. As the man reached out, his crippled hand was healed. It instantly became as healthy as his other hand, 
with no sign of ever having been diseased. After Sabbath services were over, the Pharisees walked away from the synagogue in a group. Soon, a group of scribes joined them. The men were enraged. Jesus had not only ignored their rules about how to keep the Sabbath, but also had directly called them out in front of everyone. The discussion then took a very evil turn. They began discussing what they could do about Jesus and what they could do to him. Jesus knew that the religious leaders were furious with him. They were so angry that they were plotting to destroy not only his reputation, but his life. With his life in danger and his ministry still not finished, he withdrew to the Sea of Galilee. When people learned where he was, multitudes followed him. He cast out demons and healed everyone who came to him. As he had instructed the leper, Jesus instructed these people not to spread the news of who he was, but they spread it anyway. Some of them asked, Is this not the son of David? More and more people realized that Jesus was the Christ. They expected him to take power and lead the Jews. At this point, Jesus couldn't go anywhere without being surrounded by people, both friendly and otherwise. Speaking to one of the people in the crowd, one bold Pharisee made a shocking accusation. This man casts out demons? But where does he get the power to do that? He gets it from Satan, the master of the demons. Jesus did not hear what this man said but he knew what he and others like him were thinking. So he answered the accusation. A house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan cast out Satan, how will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out devils by the power of Beelzebub, by whom do your children cast them out? If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Jesus continued to preach truthful and powerful messages from the scripture and to cast out demons and heal those sick and handicapped. But the Pharisees and scribes continued to discredit him and turn people from him and his message. Master, one of them said, We want to see a sign from you. Although Jesus had been performing many miracles by the power of God's Holy Spirit, he did not point to the healings or the casting out of demons, nor did he show them the type of sign they preferred, something definitive and earth-shaking to prove he was the Son of God. An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. He answered boldly, And no sign will be given to it except one. In the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus prophesied that this supernatural proof that he was the Son of God would not come until after he died. 
to follow the Son of God while he was still on earth would require faith. But after he died, he would be in the grave for three days and three nights. Then he would be miraculously resurrected. After this encounter, Jesus went to a mountain to pray. He spent the entire night praying to his Father. One of his missions was to establish God's church, which would need to preserve the truth and continue until he returned to earth many centuries into the future. The scribes and Pharisees were growing more and more hostile toward him. Already, the people of his hometown had tried to kill him. Soon, the religious leaders would try to do it again. Once Jesus Christ's ministry was complete, God would allow those evil men to succeed in killing him. After his death, his church would need leaders, and he needed to begin training those leaders now. As he spoke with God the Father in prayer, Jesus learned who he should select to be his special disciples, who would follow him, learn from him, and be able to lead the church after he was gone. He would select 12 disciples to send forth as apostles. Apostle means one sent forth with the special mission to help establish and preserve his church. Jesus went on to personally ordain 12 apostles, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, Matthew Levi, Philip, Nathaniel Bartholomew, Thomas, Simon the Zealot, Judas Thaddeus, James son of Alphaeus, and Judas Iscariot. Eleven of the twelve came from Galilee. Judas Iscariot came from the land of Moab. None of them had been professionally involved in religion before their calling, but all sincerely believed and obeyed the scriptures and believed Jesus was the Christ. All of these men had encountered Jesus before. Simon Peter, Andrew, John, Philip, and Nathaniel had all met him around the time he was baptized in Bethabara and believed that he was the Christ. But now these twelve left their daily work behind and devoted themselves fully to following Jesus Christ, supporting him and learning from him. Now Jesus would deliver one of the most profound sermons in the entire Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. He did not give this sermon in a synagogue or on a shoreline filled with multitudes of people. He started giving this message to his disciples only, though by the end he would again be addressing the multitudes. Retreating into a mountain with just his closest disciples, Jesus gave them powerful instruction on obeying and living God's law of love. He began with nine blessings known as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he said, 
speaking of people who have a humble attitude. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, he continued, for they will be comforted. He was teaching his disciples that they should grieve for all those in this world who suffer from disease, crime, war, violence, broken families, and other sins. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus was emphasizing not weakness, but humility and obedience. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus was saying that God will satisfy his people with as much righteousness as they are truly eager for, as they earnestly pray and study the scriptures, meditate and fast. After mentioning other blessings, Jesus went on to emphasize to the disciples that they must be extremely mindful of the examples they set. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus also made a powerful point about God's law. He told them that even though others accused him of destroying God's law, he had come to fulfill it. After teaching the disciples how to perfect their relationships with others, Jesus then turned to one of the most important topics they would ever study, prayer. He instructed them in a general outline of what to include in their prayers. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. That day, Jesus also instructed those men in forgiveness, fasting, and total focused devotion to God. He covered such a wide range of topics in the Sermon on the Mount that his disciples would study it and preach from it for the rest of their lives. Later, it was even preserved in writing to influence millions of people for thousands of years. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.